What is up, entrepreneurs and business owners? Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast, where we help your business grow stronger, teaching the tools, the tactics, the thing to make you more successful in your business, in your life. We have an awesome guest in the studio today, somebody I'm super excited to talk about. You're going to learn so much from employee turned entrepreneur, completely stepped away from his nine to five day job to pursue a passion and something that's been a side gig to him for a long time. Zach Armstrong, founder, CEO of Rooster High Productions. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I should note that next to CEO, I'm also paper towel changer uh, in the kitchen. <laughs> And and uh, interim uh, janitor about fifty percent of the time. That wonder, cat box management. <laughs> wonderful world of small business owner where there. you wear many hats and do it all. I, I love it, Chad. I have I've, in my career, I have had one job where it was not my responsibility to change out. Uh, paper towels and toilet paper, and that was the job I just left. <laughs> now that I'm working from home, that is back on the menu, and I, I had one. I had one. <laughs> all right. So y'all have heard me say this a lot with all sorts of different guests and myself. As entrepreneurs, we are broken. We are broken. We have problems. We have issues. Mm. We are walking away from jobs where we don't have to change toilet paper and paper towels and going back to the places where we do have to change toilet paper and do it all. And for some reason, we love it. I don't understand it. That's right. It's part of the uh, entrepreneurial curse is so I call it. (laughs) But, man, I'm super excited to have you. Um, You have a skill set. You have a knowledge. You have a business that everybody needs and I think is so important. Um, You've used that to really leverage a way to get away from – the employee situation and the nine to five to do something on your own, to take that leap. I think there's so many people out there with a side gig, with something they're passionate about, with a skill set, but they're just scared to make that leap. And especially for you, man, going away, not just an employee somewhere, like an employee at UGA, like a a dream job, Um, not typically the place where you really grind out eight hours a day and work to the bone, Mm. the place where you got awesome Retirement, benefits, insurance, right. all the, the things. I mean, it, it's the uh, most people dream when you grow up, especially here in Georgia. I know you didn't grow up in Georgia, but like, man, yeah. if you could work for the University of Georgia and live in Athens, that's like the holy grail of, of an employee situation. But for you, it, even with all that going on, you, you had other passions, you, you had the entrepreneur side of things, and you you voluntarily stepped away from that. Now, I want to get into that today, but before yeah. we dive into that, <laughs> let's talk about the name. Sure. Rooster High Productions. <laughs> Where did this come from? When did the name start? I'm super intrigued yeah. to hear a little background behind this. Sure thing. So... Uh, the where where it came from, you you know how when it, when a company or an organization or really anything starts, there's there's if you continue with it, there's probably five different places it quote unquote started. Right? When did the idea start? When was the name officially somewhere? When we were incorporated? Like I just you know uh, LLC was more recent, but Rooster High has been a bit longer. <laughs> right? Right? That's Making right. money with Rooster High has been you know in the middle there, and where it came from was I needed a name when 
I started a podcast with my wife. <laughs> We're big Star Wars fans. Yep. Enjoying that world has been uh, just a, a part of our relationship. It's part of how we met. Okay. And when The Mandalorian came out, some great new content. And if you're a Star Wars fan, here's a little math for you. The fewer people with the last name Skywalker in a movie, the more I'm going to enjoy it or TV show. And so I was loving The Mandalorian. My wife, Megan, was loving The Mandalorian. And so we started a podcast where we just talked about The Mandalorian. Uh, it was called The Mandalorian Union. It's still up. And as I was putting it together, I was like, you know, I love podcasts. I want to be doing more podcasts. And I need a name for just the umbrella of, like, what I produce under if uh, if I make more. And my my wife and I are millennials. And like any good millennial woman who has curated her social media feeds to be all cute animals, you might be familiar with very silly animal speak, right? When people do little captions on cute animal videos, they'll have the animal say something. And one thing that actually started with lizards on uh, a platform called Steam and moved over to dogs on Instagram is dogs saying hello, right? They don't say hello, they say hello. You know, snakes aren't snakes, they're danger noodles, all this sort of thing. Pups are puffers and boofers and all this sort of thing. And so I'm here, I'm sitting here making a podcast with my wife, and I love just referencing her, you know, or our history and little things here and there. And she loves that dogs say henlo, and I'm like, henlo. How could I? Oh, I'll just flip it. Hen, rooster, low, high. Rooster High Productions. And so the first place Rooster High Productions started was about in the middle of 2019 as the author on Spotify for a podcast between me and my wife. <laughs> And as I started to actually work, I was like, you know, it's charming enough. It's just intriguing enough. It's got this weird amount of gravitas and intrigue. I'll just use it. And I've stuck with it since. And uh, with uh, this year, you know, the, the state of Georgia and the United States government officially recognizes Rooster High Productions LLC as a business entity. So uh, man, it's good I, stuff. I love it. <laughs> and you know what? I had about... 10 different scenarios in my mind where this name could have came from. And I wasn't even in the same ballpark. So very memorable. I love the name, which is a great transition. You talked about it a little bit into kind of podcast production. Um, But there's more to that and what you do in the marketing side. What do you do? What is Rooster High Productions? What do you do? What's your skill set? What did you do at UGA before you stepped away from that role? Give us a little background. For sure. So Rooster High Productions is where I, uh, on a on a overall level, do uh, goal driven storytelling for people's brands. Love it, right? So yep. I'm a storyteller. There's um, I've been in production for a very long time. I started in theater when I was very young. Did all sorts of things from mostly acting, but lots of stage management, lighting, and theater. And I ended up getting a degree in theater. Theater is one of <laughs> One of the best things to get skills for other jobs if you don't end up in theater itself. You learn collaboration. There are deadlines. Assuming there's no money in theater. Absolutely not. Absolutely (laughs) not. I actually have a bone to pick with most modern theater programs at at colleges and universities. But that's for for another time. But the (laughs) skills you get, the skills you get in how to collaborate with all sorts of people, people are getting along with, you're not getting along with. Uh, how you can be relied on, especially because you've got showtime. So there's an immediate need for things to happen well, right? There are there are uh, goals to meet. You've got a market to show. So learning all of that stuff, um, learning all of that stuff is uh, across a couple mediums. And I ended up in TV and uh, uh, excuse me, television and radio commercial production at a at a previous job. Um, and uh, across all of these, then I started podcasting. 
And as I started looking to work for myself, I said, okay, I love telling stories, but how do, how do I do that for other people? Where they they need they need that storytelling, and I can I can do that for them. And what what's the form that it takes, right? Like 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 tax, like the hard tax. What does somebody actually need that they would pay me for, and I can go and I can do it well, right? And so with uh, with podcasting and a few other things, I said okay. Content marketing is big, especially in the age of chat GPT. 100%. You know, useful tool, but you're just going to see more junk yep. churned out than ever well, before. I, right? I agree with that. It's just yeah. going to get more flooded in somewhat useless content or yes. just crowded content. Or at least, uh, uh, yeah, useless, crowded, and definitely not high trust if you start to see the hallmarks sure. of chat GPT in a, in a blog. You're going to go, oh, that's not that's Kind of, not kind of right. back to talking dogs. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think podcast is the best form of storytelling right now? Oh, wow. Uh, my gosh. Uh, the, the question asked as asked the best form of storytelling depends on the story. I think I think it is an amazing place to to tell a story. Uh, it is it is it is personal, like it is in your ears. It is you know primarily audio only. Sometimes you get to have video to, to see the people. I think it's a fantastic place to tell a story. Um, I think a lot of mediums are, but for telling a business story, the the advantage it has is less about is less about. Um, you know, trying to have a podcast as a business and then push it just for its own sake. But like, that's a good goal and that can be successful. But leveraging it as a convenient way to capture your content, that's all about like you and your business. And like you've said on here, the greatest asset in your business is you, which, you know, how you've applied it, that's take care of yourself, invest in yourself. And how I'm applying it to podcasts is put yourself out there, but in a way where you're just leveraging two to three hours per month where you batch your content. And so what I do is I I help you plan all your content for the year, coach you through what like batching looks like. And then you sit down, you know, with your plans for your episodes, record all your episodes for a month. So you just sit down two to three hours per month. And once you're done recording, it uploads to me. And all that happens is every day uh, of the week and the month following, there's either a new episode posted one day per week or all the other six days are clips pulled from that video episode of you talking about your expertise, your story, whether it's advice, you're telling a story, you're saying something that might be a hot take. You know, we've done hashtag uh, research and all this. We know what platforms your audience is on. And so you saturate you saturate social media with you, your voice, and you're just spending two hours a month on it. So that's where I got to when I was saying, okay, how can I use my ability to tell a story, find even a salient short form thing, connect it to the person's goals? Because I've worked in a small marketing agency. I've worked at a big organization. So I can sit down with somebody and say, okay, what are your goals? I'm going to keep those in mind as all this work happens, right? I'm going to be your advocate as I cut all this up. So I think that's what's powerful about podcasts. Um as far like as storytelling that. goes, podcasts have so much possibility there. There's even branded storytelling podcasts now where I think it was a, a zombie there, – there, I think there's a zombie apocalypse like podcast story coming out where they've done a brand partnership with a grocery store. And instead of saying this is sponsored by, you know, Kroger or, you know, Wegmans, what's going to happen is that the grocery store that sponsored it is actually going to be in the story where they're <laughs> like, oh, we got to We got to so go inside the equivalent this of an actor drinking a Coke exactly. on a, uh, while they're in a movie. That's right. Or, 
or That's a right. terrapin <laughs> beer or something. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah a, a Thor, a Thor holding yeah, a creature comfort spear. The kind of beer, hidden right? marketing side of things inside That's of exactly the story. That's exactly right, which can be a huge win-win for both parties. Man, I love that. All right, let's take it way back because yeah. you, you mentioned – you were part of an agency. Yeah. I think the agency side is probably where you started developing skill sets in marketing, video, editing, That's all right. those things, um, which w- was kind of precursor to, to you coming to Georgia and taking a job at UGA. Yeah. Um, God, agency. A little bit of background here. I owned a marketing agency for a few years. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a hard place to live and manage and make money and it's figure intense. out client expectation. It, it's tough. Um, I learned a ton through that. Um, through how hard that is from from an agency life standpoint, and yeah. also to a lot about marketing. But you know, what there was that something you loved? Was it something you're like, man, I don't ever want to do this again? <laughs> is it something you're grateful for the mm. experience? I I am grateful for the experience, like beyond words. There was a lot. Uh, there were a lot of ups and downs with it, but I wouldn't trade a second of it. Um, I, I worked a lot, but I, I got to produce radio and, and TV spots and write them and and you know be a part be a part of presenting those to clients. Although uh, while my uh, probably the core of my job, which um, they put me on more and more video as as my affinity in the theater experience was applicable, but the core of my job was really the project management. And being okay. the most junior person, that's where uh, the uh, that's where the paper towels came in. <laughs> <laughs> I was the newest hire, even three years in, so I was still on paper towel duty. Um, but uh, man, project I cut my teeth on project management there, and I really I really found my pace with figuring out. What are the goals of this project, right? With the client, with like, you know, the internal stakeholders that I'm working with. What do they need? Uh, what do they need to be successful? What timeline does that need to happen on? What aren't we thinking about? Who can we talk to that would tell us what we're not thinking about? Just to make sure this all goes as successfully as we can. Everything that's under our control or that we have agency over, like how can we make sure everything is dialed and people have what they need on time to do things well? And that is where I got a love for essentially being a people engineer with a to-do list, right? Saying yep. what needs to happen when to be successful to meet the goals. And that's where uh, I tended to be a more kind of uh, – I loved just being artistic and, and, and creative. And I've got that side to me. But that's where I really discovered a love for the to-do lists and, you know, the hard, get it done, one, two, three, a bit more. Deliverables. Deliverables, the right? land of deliverables. And crafting yeah. that with people, Love right, it. and with people. So that's 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 okay. the experience I got there, and I wouldn't trade a minute of it. All right, question for you from the client side and yeah. our listener side. Of course. Should small businesses hire an agency to handle their marketing? Mm. What size should they be before they consider something like that? Should it be done more one-on-one collaboration um, for, I think that's a huge question in, in the realm of agency and marketing and even outside of just the social media piece of Google and ad spend and yeah. websites and all the things. Um, should our listeners that have small businesses, should they hire an agency uh, to grow? Um, should they stay away from that? What size mm. should they be before that comes into the picture? What are your thoughts on that? Sure. So there's there's two thoughts. Um, one is that with an agency, they an agency will help growth if they really understand um, what your goals are and how to partner with you. Um, what 
your in, uh, your industry standards, especially, we worked a lot. Uh, the agency I was at had a lot of experience in healthcare and then uh, financial institutions, which is the word you use when you also serve credit unions as well as banks, because a credit union <laughs> is not a bank. A credit union that. is not a bank. Oh yes, and Learn it's a, something today. It, it's a it's a subject because the, credit they unions get offended are, if you call them a bank, or is this like a legal <laughs> thing where they can't be a bank? It's it's a legal thing. Okay, it's a ah. legal thing because credit unions with their membership are are regulated differently than a bank. And so especially when they get big, banks start going, hey, now, that's not fair. Can you regulate them more? Like their membership is all of this entire region now. So it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Um, but people who are going to already know your industry or invest in your industry and partner with it, um, and something we said at my agency, which uh, can be a difficult reality, but an agency needs to know this to be successful, is that marketing, especially using an agency, it's not going to save a sinking ship. If Ooh, that's good. Marketing is not going to save a sinking ship. If you are having a lot of difficulties kind of getting the business to grow and get that upward trajectory and that stability, don't go spending a whole lot of time on the marketing. You've got to go back to your fundamentals. I can recommend the past 150 Man, episodes of that. this podcast for, for part of that. So right? an agency <laughs> and marketing in that format is yeah. fuel on a fire. Yes. It is not building the yes. fire or go, generating go, go the get sales a boy, of yeah. the market. Oh, I love that. <laughs> go, that's, go get a Boy Scout to build that fire first and then go huge. get the gasoline. Yeah, that, that's I, right. I love that. That's, that's really great advice and something yeah. I've – I don't think I've ever heard that put quite that way from yeah. anybody else. So I love that, man. That's and awesome. The second part of that is where things are trending to is that agencies are great and are going to put together a good comprehensive marketing plan. The smart ones are pouring into content marketing like like my old uh, my old uh, agency I, I worked at. They're building a lot more content marketing now, which is the smart move. There are more and more uh, content creator influencer types who have made the really smart business move where their content is popular for whatever it is. They're successful. They're making brand deals on that. And then what they're doing on the side is as people find them, they say, here's my expertise in creating content and doing content marketing. And now I'm going to serve you as a professional. And a lot of them have teams that, of course, you don't see that are behind the scenes where they've essentially started a content marketing agency for all of the uh, changing all the time platforms, what's performing, what's the best practices, how do you actually tell a story through graphics or short form video and and interact with a community and an audience. So a lot of people are moving towards this model of, okay, how do we actually hire content creators and the ones who will understand us well and partner with us well, uh, which is you know maybe about as rare as it's going to be in an agency. You've got to find the people who are willing to partner. And then uh, you actually go get promotion from people who are going to, you know, film it on their gear in their apartment or around the park or wherever they go to to film, whatever the deal is. And so that is that is a part of the new wave. I've got a favorite that I follow, Katie Ledecky. She does a lot of uh, travel content and has talked about how, okay, here's all I make on brand deals, but I actually basically have a small, you know, three-person agency on the side where I serve clients like crazy in her marketing is the content she makes that she also makes brand deals on. Like it's a brilliant workflow. She makes money on her marketing. Which kind of comes back to that somebody that understands your industry or your product yes. or kind of the niche or the industry standards of what you do. You should, yeah. w whether it's a small level, an agency level, whatever it is, somebody that understands your product or your mm -hmm. industry I think is huge. So I, yeah. And I love that. All right, so you, you developed a skill set there, mm -hmm. obviously, yeah. as an employee. Mm-hmm. You took a job at UGA how many years ago? Uh, five, over 
Five years ago. Over five. yeah, about five years ago. Five, five years ago. ago yeah, moved, moved to Athens, took a job at UGA in the same realm of kind of utilizing mm-hmm. some of those same skill sets, but you kept kind of some side passion inside projects <laughs> internally, externally. That's right. Continuing to use those skill sets. That's right. Now, fast forward to today or fast forward to June, July, you recently stepped away, right? Oh, yes. Uh, the stepped away from being full-time back in early June. Okay, June. Yeah. Let's talk about how you had the confidence, how you had the just the courage to step away from something so awesome as an employer at UGA in your situation Yeah. to really harness that side gig skill set you kind of continue to hang on to for, for five years. G- yeah. Give us the... The crash course oh. and what got you wow. there and what our audience can learn from, honestly, just the, again, the courage to be able to make that leap. I think that's a place most people never get to because society, right or wrong, tells us you should be an employee. You should mm, work sure. till you're 65. Yep. You should work for a place that has benefits and retirement and, yeah. and work till 65 and show up every day and then step away and... Mm draw $3,000 a month from your retirement and live out your glory days when you're 65. Yeah. I don't agree with that, and so I love <laughs> what you've done here. But, yeah, fill us in. Give us a little bit of the story of uh, what led you here. Sure. So I uh, worked at UGA for about five years, and last year in uh, in 2022, uh, I had a friend who wanted to start a podcast as a part of her business. Uh Diligent listeners of Stronger Business Podcast will remember episodes uh, 133 and 137 oh, with uh, Melissa Pepin and Corey Frazier of the Business <laughs> Reboot Podcast. Uh, now, uh, spoiler alert, clients of mine, and congratulations to them uh, just here in uh, mid in mid uh, September, they hit one year of their podcast. And the reason they dove into podcast is because they're like, you know, if we write blogs a few times a month, that's going to just drive me crazy. I'm much better at talking, but I don't know how to run a podcast. So I started working for them last year. Not sure if I would ever turn it into a full-time thing. I was just like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm friends. I'm friends with Melissa and her family. I like how she does things. I'd be happy to use my skill set and actually kind of go professional as Rooster High Productions here. And then as time went on, I was reflecting and thinking, you know, I think I think I could do do this full time, working for myself. And I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. I wanted it to involve podcasts and my marketing skills to figure all that out. And my biggest cheerleader, so my biggest cheerleader is my wife. Love she it. had even more confidence in my ability to make the jump than than I did. And Melissa and Corey are all about uh, giving coaching to uh entrepreneurs, right? Especially, uh, especially uh, female creatives is most of their target. But uh, I had the opportunity to jump into uh, a mastermind of theirs. And really the, the lesson here, as I started to think, you know, I think I can do this full time. It's find the people who are going to be in your corner. Like you, you might have a spouse who's, who's super into it. That's great. Maybe you have a friend who does small business and talk to them. Maybe they can kind of be your, 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 your partner and you can fill them in on how things are going. Um, if you are looking at this with kind of a medium to longer term thing, go ahead and save up and, and hire a, a coach who's going to help you launch so you can check in, go through it all the way with you, right? Really, the the one piece of advice from my jump is don't do it alone. 
Because if you do it alone, you're going to sit there staring at a computer screen and it's going to be miserable. And you're going to do something. I don't care how smart you are. You can be twice or three times as smart as me. You're still going to do something kind of dumb and launch it. And if nobody's looked at it, you're going to go, oh, wow, that was that was so ill-considered. <laughs> right? You need a second pair of eyes on things. So so get people in your corner. Don't do it alone. Find some Man, coaches. I, I, I love that advice. And, and I could not agree more. Um Having somebody in your corner, whether it's somebody you're paying for as a coach, whether right. it's a friend, whether it's another yeah. business owner, whether it's your spouse, is huge. Yes. That is the difference maker. It really is. Like I think we're there's a lot of unknown in in taking the leap from employee to entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and even going from one business to the other or starting a new tax firm or whatever it is. Yeah. I know for me, if I did not have coaching and I did not have people in my corner, business partner and a coach. There's no way I would have this tax firm right now. There's sure. no way I would have took that leap. Mm. Um, and that's that kind of backs track to I feel like I've gained so much exponential success over the last two to three years because of coaching and because of people in my corner. And so yeah. it's really cool to hear you say that. Yeah. Um, from an employee standpoint, you're like, hey, I was just kind of side gigging for some coaches. Right. And, <laughs> and I got coached, and I'm like, hey, I can do this too. That's right. Which – that's right. This is where this is so cool. I love this. A um, couple of things here resonate with me. Number one, it's weird. You and I both are in female entrepreneur coaching groups, and we're not females. <laughs> That's which right. Is wild. <laughs> um, the ladies know something, man. And, 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 I, want and it. <laughs> I could be wrong about this, but I don't think so. This is where this is a small world. You and I just connected men in person here over the last week. Yeah. But yeah, back right. up to Melissa and Corey, Business Reboot Podcast. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the first episode was recorded. And one of our houses and rental properties in Charleston, I think that's where it was born from, from that retreat that they had in Charleston at at one of our Airbnbs. And so it's that's really right. cool to watch that journey kind of kind of take place over the, the year. And congrats to Melissa and Corey. I highly recommend everybody out there to go listen to the Business Reboot podcast. And to speak to your skills around the Business Reboot, if you go back to our episode, one of our episodes with Melissa and Corey, you will learn they record from their closets. They're in <laughs> different right. states, both recording in their closet, <laughs> which speaks to your editing ability to be able to turn their closet podcast into something exceptional. Sure. And uh, <laughs> I will say a closet is – the reason they were recording in the closet is because um, I always I, – I can't help myself. If you work with me, I am factoring in consulting and advice to make it the best thing possible, right? And part of the reason they were recording in their closet is because I said, hey, if you don't have a place that's going to absorb your voice bouncing off the walls, uh, that's going to do it well, your closet's the best spot to do that. Because <laughs> you've got so it. many clothes hanging up, they're going to eat up all those echoes and the sound's going to warm up a bit, right? And so that's where you want to do it in your closet. <laughs> Melissa Melissa recently moved to uh, a kind of a refurbished little office space in, in her house. <laughs> and the sound the sound's uh, quite good there, but... It's, uh, it's tough to be in a closet if you're just starting off and you're like, I just got to get this out there. I got to get started. Grab a little stool, sit in your closet. You're going to have you're going to have a warm, lovely tone. And then as you get your feet under, you can maybe treat treat a space a little bit. So here's space. the depressing part of what I'm hearing is they probably have better acoustics and audio in their closet than I do here in my $10,000 <laughs> studio. Well, uh, it, you're going to get one of the best you can in a home in a home environment in a studio. I mean, I have noted you've got. Um, uh, I mean, I know we're we're on audio, so I won't bore our poor listeners with a visual description. But you have some very good treatment here. <laughs> you do have some good treatment here that warms it up. That warms it up quite a bit. Um, 
you're uh, yeah, you're you're dealing with all of your your bouncing bouncing sound waves that are going to bounce across from each other with a couple items here, especially the curtains on the wall. So, no, it's you're, you're doing well. You're doing well. Always room for improvement. It's uh, as I told you, our own version. I don't know, maybe 5.0 of this thing. Yeah. So we're continuing to adapt. <laughs> so do you? Is there anything else that helped you take that leap or helped you really plan out that exit strategy um, yeah. mm. outside of coaching and having people in your corner? Wow, the having people in the corner with the biggest one, and then the biggest. Did you tell? What is this? Hold on, we're talking yeah. about people in your corner. Did you tell anybody else? Did a hundred other people think you were crazy, <laughs> or did you just not tell other people? Or I, I started to tell uh, the people I I really trust, right, close friends and family. Okay. And the typical reaction, my one friend Jesse, I was sitting there, we were doing some work at a coffee shop, and I looked at him, I said, you know, Jesse. And I told him, I was like, you know, Jesse, I think I'm going to be quitting my job at UGA and, you know, working for myself. And he goes, yeah, obviously. I go, wait, what? He's like, I knew this was going to happen at some point. I'm like, wait, you did? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you were definitely going to work for yourself at some point. I was confident it would happen. <laughs> Amazing. I was like, oh, you knew that before I did, apparently. So, um, yeah, I started to tell a few people really just to sound it out. And there is a balance of finding the wise people who care about you, and then if they tell you to pump the brakes or consider some things and taking that in. But you've got to balance that with when you know something is the right thing on a deep level and you're going to apply yourself, apply yourself intelligently to try to do it well, there is there is an amount you have to divide where you have to say, okay, here's a wise person I'm going to listen to. And then sometimes you have to say, oh, I'm hearing something negative over here, but i got to trust my gut. So and I got to power through. So it's There's still a, a leap of faith. It's it still is still a, trust a leap my of faith. gut leap of faith. You didn't yes. have all this figured out in black and white. You no. didn't logistically be like, okay, now this makes sense. It's that's a, right. There's still that gut. I feel like, and this even is even as I, I put in my notice, I knew I knew some of what like my offers and my work would be, but I hadn't a hundred percent as I put in my notice dialed in exactly. Here's here's my offers as a podcaster marketer because being a podcaster is not like. Being a therapist or a teacher, you can't go to a school program with the name of the job in the name of the program, get a degree, and then go, aha, here is it, how to be a podcaster or a marketer. I had to, I had to go out and develop some things, look at what offers to do, and, and go and look at what other people were offering, right? Oh, yeah. You had to study yeah. your competition, study yeah. what's the market, what's, That's what's right. going on inside the market. So I would say uh, – I would say um, – yeah, get, make sure you've got people in your corner, a coach, somebody you're checking in with. I found somebody who does similar work to me um, in the early days of jumping off, and he and I keep in touch at least once a month to just talk about how our podcast work is going, which is brilliant. And uh, the other thing I would say is is uh, as much as you can kind of pressure test and try out uh, your offers maybe before going full-time. Um, I'm blessed to have my wife's, you know, work cover all the bills so I don't have that cash flow pressure. Um, but I've spent some time as I transitioned out saying, okay, like what is an effective offer going to be? What am I seeing other people have with effective offers? So making sure you've got effective offers and you might automatically, right? Maybe you're, you know, an electrician or, or, you know, a, a landscaping person like, okay, that's pretty cut and dried. You know how to approach that. Um, but if your offers are going to be a bit more, uh, a bit more amorphous, and you got to pick exactly what's going to be effective for your target audience, yeah, lock those in, get those tested, you know, get people to pick those up a bit, and then say, okay, like now I can, now I can launch with confidence that what I'm doing is valuable. Great advice. I, I love that. Yeah, definitely, 
you want to test your product and your offering yeah. before you really want to make that leap and you got to financially depend on it. Make sure make sure you've done some due diligence and research or also too make sure it's what you want to do. You yeah. know, actually perform what you want to have a business around on the side for a while. Right. So to make sure, hey, this A, this is feasible. B, this is what I want to do. Because yeah. a lot of times you can do things. That doesn't mean you want to do it 30 hours a week or whatever it may That's be right. um, in, in the business world of of what you're serving and doing for clients every day. All right. I want to talk about leading up to putting in your notice. Sure. I assume UGA, you give a notice yep. and you turn in something to yep. somebody above you to say, hey, um, this is my notice. I'm leaving my job. Yeah. Um, Leading up to that, going into that, were you just like crazy nervous? Did you back out a couple of times? Was it like, <laughs> oh my God, I need my wife to send it because I can't bear to do it? Like, right. how did that work? What were you feeling? How was that experience? And how did you feel once that was done? For me, uh, I knew two things. One, I knew it was the right thing on a deep level. It okay. felt like a calling that had Didn't finally, question your gut. Didn't, didn't like, question it. Okay. Uh it felt like a calling. I felt confident that, okay, this is the right move. Is it scary? Absolutely. But it's the right move, so I had confidence. And a second factor that actually made this the easiest possible transition is that I knew my supervisor was in my corner pretty much no matter what, like as a person. And I was able to give plenty. I actually gave a few months of notice uh, at this job because I knew that uh, I knew that they'd be in my corner. It wouldn't get weird having giving that much, giving a few months of notice. And so sat down, um, and uh, it's not like I did it, you know, easily or, or exuberantly, but I sat down and I said, hey, Elizabeth, so I'm going to be leaving to chase my dream, to chase my dream of being an entrepreneur in this kind of space. And she sighed and she said, yep, whenever people have this kind of meeting, they're either having a baby or quitting. And I <laughs> figured you might be quitting. <laughs> But I knew she was in my corner, one of the best supervisors I've ever had. Awesome. So I knew I could hand her that, you know, that notice with confidence that, you know, nothing was going to blow up. It wasn't going to get weird. And I could leave well, right? Documented as much as I could about anything that I kind of developed on my own in that job. All the notes about the client relationships I'd be handing off. I'd be handing off to people in that job and uh, left it as, as well as I could. So, uh, you know, I'm downtown for various reasons, and I still pop into the office just to say hi to people. So it's, it's good. So you had a big, long notice. Yeah. Was there any moments of panic during that two months of like, <laughs> oh, my God, I want to take it back, or what was I thinking, or was it – were you really just committed all the way through and just really felt like, the, hey, this is what I'm supposed to be doing? I think everybody, unless you have an amount of confidence that is both your greatest asset and probably one of your greatest weaknesses, <laughs> everybody, enough. unless you're that person, you're going to have those moments of doubt and challenge and staring at a screen or a paper or a person and going, what am I doing? Uh, what, what? This is a terrible idea. So I certainly had some moments of staring at a screen going, what, what am I doing? Is this actually going to work? Is anybody going to care? One of the biggest thoughts I would have is, am I going to be any good at this? But between between the right amount of the why not me mentality, the right amount of um, looking at my – I had taken what I thought was humility and through a lot of growth, you know, business development is often personal development for entrepreneurs. In conversations with my wife, I discovered that what I thought was humility was actually – me just making myself small inappropriately 
and discounting my experience and my giftings, especially when I had been out in the world long enough to say, to see so many people, uh, whether they were entrepreneurs themselves or people in businesses at management levels, I saw so many people that I said, okay, glad, you know, you're doing what you're doing. That's great. But man, you're not doing it very well. And I could do that better. I could serve in this way better, right? I could, I could develop a better service or even looking at the people who do the kind of offers that I'm doing, which there's not a whole lot of companies doing exactly the offer I'm doing, but I found a few to kind of model myself after, look for the cheat codes of what have they learned over the few years, right? And I get to know them a bit. I'm saying, oh, well, I like this about them, but that, that's not me. Like there's a way that Zach Armstrong can do this as Rooster High Productions yes. that's going to be distinct from even that. how that person is running their business, right? And then having confidence in that. And, you know, you don't want to – you want to be your best advocate, but you want to have that appropriate amount of humility, right? You want to go for something, take the chance that like if that chance works out, that like excellent, like great, I'm going to take that next big step. I'm going to land that that dream client. I'm going to make this really good connection, Um but kind of hold it with an open hand, right? Man, that's that's huge. And I yeah. love the don't confuse that with just making yourself small. Yeah. Don't, I mean, the oh, yeah. It, I think that everybody does that. And especially yeah. in the business space, entrepreneur space, uh, there's nobody is teaching this stuff. We have no knowledge, we, we have no education about entrepreneurship, around business, around money. Right. Like it, and so there's a huge fear, and it's easy to make ourselves small and call it ego or humble or trying to, mm. you know, think realistically, but at the end of the day, we're just boxing ourselves in when we shouldn't. So that's, yeah, that's really cool, man. I think that's huge for our listeners out there. Anybody that's thinking about growing their business, anybody's thinking about stepping out and really harnessing that entrepreneur side of things, switching from employee, um, that is a mindset place that I think is amazing advice. And and speaking of amazing advice, this is my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> you know what's coming here. Yep. This is our max out moment on the Stronger Business Podcast. This is where you get a chance to help our audience get stronger in their business. One piece of advice, one tactic, one tip, something they can take away or something they can go out and do this weekend to get stronger in their life or in their business. What is Zach's max out moment? Well, I had planned to say don't do it alone, but we spent about 15 minutes on that earlier. So what I'm going to say is uh, it's going to be a bit more practical on the marketing and business side. I love it. Practical and tactical. That's yes, where I live. Yes. Don't silo your content. If you're good at writing blogs and for to try to you know to get SEO on your website, that sort of thing, if you write two to three blogs a month or your employees do, and all those blogs do is sit on your website and you're not having somebody grab like quotes out for for quote graphics or you're not looking at your most salient points and then you know uh having you or somebody in your company like do you know instagram reels or tiktok if your audience is there making the points from the blog then you are duplicating so much work to get your seo boosted your you know your marketing or your reels if you're just trying to have a presence on there. You're duplicating so much work. So find a process where you make some kind of cornerstone content, which, you know, the sharp-eared listener will <laughs> realize that's part of the process I do with podcasts. But heck, you can do it with with blogs. Write a couple blogs and then find the points to talk about on social, right? Um, and and you know, use that to fuel it. And then guess what? Not only is it going to be more convenient for you, it's going to be more there's going to be more of a consistent through line 
in your content. If you're say you're say you're a pet groomer and you're spending a month writing about like care for long-haired breeds, right? And uh, you do that for a month. Instead of jumping all over the place for a month, if you're just getting stressed out, recording them willy-nilly, you're going to be talking about all this stuff. People are going to go, oh, wow, they know a lot about long-haired breeds because they're going to see that consistently. They're going to see through lines and strategy and intentionality in what you're putting out there. And guess what? It took you less time and it's better. Man, such an amazing and beneficial max out moment for audience. I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I do Instagram videos or reels. I do Tax Tip Tuesdays or I do podcasts. Yeah. I don't repurpose anything. Mm. I'm not going back grabbing content from Stronger Business Summit. I'm not repurposing videos and, mm. and audio. Um, I'm guilty in living in that silo of like, <laughs> if I do an Instagram video, it is an Instagram video. I'm right. not doing anything else with it, which is crazy because yeah. I'm spending the time to, to A, to come up with the content and to record the content, mm-hmm. but I'm only using it in one single format, right. which is nuts. And uh, then, and then repost your best stuff. Yeah. Repost your either. best stuff. You've got to do that because not everybody will see your stuff when you post it once. I have uh, the social media scheduling tool I use. I have a couple of blog posts that just auto post because they're uh, content that's going to be relevant for uh, at least another six months. And the fifth time it posted, one of my followers who I'm actually personal friends with in the space I podcast in, it was the fifth or sixth time the blog posted. That's when he found it in an Saw it for the first time, yeah. This dude is like one of my biggest engagers, like responders, yep. retweeters, all this sort of thing. And it was the fifth time when he liked, retweeted, quote tweeted, said, oh, this is so great from Zach. Go check it out. I was like, he, did he not see it? Or he, at least he didn't see it. If he did see it, he didn't have the time or intent to repost and engage with my my content until Man, the fifth time. That is such an awesome max out moment. I encourage yeah. everybody out there listening Go out this weekend and repurpose some of your content. Dude, yeah. Reshare it, chop it up, do something else with it, share some audio, add it with a different picture. Just yeah. do something cool and fun with it. You've already done the work, so it's super easy to come in and repurpose stuff. Um, love that advice, man. Today's been awesome. Where do people find you at? How do they connect? How do they learn more about what you do? Yeah, so you can find me at uh, my website, www.roosterhigh.com. Uh, I'm Zach at RoosterHigh.com as well, which is uh, on the website. So that is, that is ready to receive. So you can find me there. Check out my offers. Just get in touch if you want to chat podcasts or the industry. Happy, happy to do that. That's awesome, man. Well, this has been an awesome podcast. It's been so much fun today talking about how you went from entrepreneur to employee. I'm excited about continuing to watch your journey, connecting in the future. Follow us at strongerbusiness.com. Share this with anybody out there that's thinking about switching from entrepreneur to employee. And uh, we'll see you next week. You know I got it. If you want to come get it, stand next to this money like, hey, hey, hey. Shake, shake, shake your money, make good.